Intelligence, you're listening to the IBSI Views podcast. With me, Tamar Almarge, Managing Director, MENA for Codebase Technologies, and Pankal Verma, Principal CEDA Management Consulting International. Our topic for today, neobanking in the MENA region. Let me start with you, Tamar. Why do you think so many traditional banks have launched neobank subsidiaries? What's the business case for doing that? Basically, when we look at why so maybe few standalone, uh, let's start with that on, on the neobanks in, in this part of the, the world or this region. You know, there has been uh, consistency uh, in the growth of, of neobanks in, in recent years, especially, uh, you know, from incumbents uh, uh, introducing uh, digital uh, arms. And let me refer to a 2016 study where it, it projected that uh, neobanks in the, in the region would grow at a CAGR of 10 to 11%, and that was between 2016 and 2026. So that's a good uh, 10-year period. However, statistics just before the pandemic also showed that there were only about 20 neobanks in the Middle East. Even though uh, we have witnessed a few uh, other neobanks being uh, launched during and after the pandemic, the number is still below the margin considering that there are more than, you know, globally more than 400 banks. Plus, uh, MENA region has been known to be a global uh, leader uh, in banking, uh, if you like. So I guess uh, this does, you know, it piques the question, why so few standalone uh, in this region? And I think me and you discussed this in a previous session when we talked about, uh, you know, regulatory and reg tech. And, you know, regulation raising the bar for neobank uh, entrance does exist. If we go back into the financial crisis in, in 2008, exposing significant failure in the way uh, banks and financial institutions are regulated. And of course, since then, this has been a major contributor to how financial institutions have been evolved. And now, uh, you know, in the age of open uh, banking, for example, and in- increased threat from a cyber attack uh, perspective, regulators cannot help but instill more stringent uh, regulatory measures to combat uh, possibilities of a repeat tragedy. So yeah, I mean, regulation spans from a KYC, online security, customer data privacy, open banking, uh, need to protect the mobile channel, and so on and so forth. Also, big banks outstripping a startup neobanks. That's another way to look at it. A considerable percentage of neobank, not only in the MENA region, but also globally, are owned by traditional banks. This primarily because they have more resources they can throw into their neobanking initiatives, of course, compared to fresh startups. And this, is, this continues to raise the competition in the neobanking space, breaking down the differentiators. The neobanking is still nascent in the MENA region. Startups looking to venture into the, to that space basically need to have well-defined strategies in place to ensure uniqueness and maintain competitive edge from ground up. However, identifying the differentiator uh, you know, proposition remains a huge challenge as more startups uh, continue to roll in. And finally, I would uh, tackle one more point on, in that uh, uh, arena, which is uh, changing the people's mindset. And you know, whenever we go into an account and we discuss uh, new banking propositions, we start with the mindset. In addition to having unique propositions, of course, most people, especially baby boomers uh, and, and Gen uh, 
exes uh, have the mindset that uh, physical branches are more secure and you know their finances uh, are are safe that's an important angle to look at uh, as well but if you compare that to the millennials and the gen z's who love new digital stuff and they live on social media platforms they don't want to you know visit a, a branch and you know they never had that experience to start with so their preference is uh, from their own experience well, let me turn to Panko. The first question I want to put to you, Panko, do you agree that regulatory conservatism, with a small c, is what's holding back neobanking in the Middle East? So I may not agree to all the statements what uh, Tom had made. Uh, my view is uh, different. So globally, there are around 350 to 400 banks. Uh, I agree to that argument, what uh, Tom had stated. But if you look at uh, MENA region, there are roughly 30 to 40 new banks which has come up. So this is the statistics as per the last six months. And consider the fact that as well, that this economy, especially on the UAE, is a overbanked economy. So we already had a population who was covered with banking. And did they really need new banks? Maybe the answer is no, and that's why. The regulator was not so aggressive in granting all the new bank licenses, considering there was a risk as well, where a lot of KYC factors, digital onboarding, were at risk initially. If you look at the regulatory angle, yeah, so this market, this government has accepted the fact that new bank is the future, but is it the immediate need? Maybe it was no, because this population already had zero unbanked population. So that's what I would put it as an argument. I have to to agree with you, Pankul, there. You know, when you take the UAE as an example, yeah, I mean, the majority of the population, uh, whether they're locals or expats, are definitely banked and they're tech savvy. And, you know, that segment of uh, population is very specific to that market. So, yes, I do agree with that uh, point you've, you've raised. Are you saying, though, Tamer, that that's not true of other countries in the Middle East? Other countries, uh, there's a large unbanked population that needs to be banked. And, you know, there's other factors to to be taken uh, in place, such as Internet penetration, such as education. These factors play a big role in in the underserved, uh, I would say. And, you know, each uh, proposition you go into with uh, neobanking is not uh, off the shelf, you know. You work with financial institutions to serve a certain, uh, uh, you know, purpose. So we've done uh, neobanks uh, in, in, in the Levant area. So we have more than 40 million unbanked. So when, when the bank looked at uh, what value proposition uh, they want to put in place, we've worked specifically on that uh, angle. And it makes it harder when you go to an you know, a country or a place where it's uh, overbanked or there's a, you know, a big line of banks serving the people, then, you know, the, the proposition becomes harder. Being unique becomes even harder in that uh, space. Well, there is actually a, a corollary to that. It's not just about being unique in that space. Most of the neo banks that have been established in the Middle East are subsidiaries of existing banking institutions. Is there a risk that those existing banks, by establishing a neobank, yes, I can understand the attractions of trying out the technology, wanting to stake out a claim in certain market sectors and market areas and product sectors and product areas, but is there a risk of simply cannibalizing their customer base? 
The risk is always uh, there, but the question lies whether those traditional banks will eventually vanish, for example, or whether you know these will overthrow the branch-based banking entities. Lies in how fast those traditional banks uh, will evolve, and if they're evolving, then as it stands, traditional banks have more capacity to leverage and maintain, uh, you know, their their position in in those markets. You know, Robin, this is an evident uh, with with neo banks attached to conventional banks in in this region, and you know, I have examples such as Blink uh, Capital Bank in Jordan, Live UAE's first digital uh, bank in Emirates MBD. ELA, ABC Bank, Reflect, and the list goes on. Then you look at resources to expand and satisfy those customers' expectations. The primary reason for traditional banks are launching new banks is to adapt uh, to the changing customer uh, expectations, especially millennials and Gen Zs, towards digital finance in, 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 in specific. As we pointed out earlier, traditional banks uh, have more resources across uh, you know, all dimensions capital, human resources, stable management, and so on and, and so forth. But are we saying, let's just take one of the examples you've cited, Emirates, NBD, and Live, one of the first neobanks to operate in the UAE. Has ENBD been able to grow its overall customer base, or has the establishment of Live just resulted in a migration of some of those young Gen Z customers, some of those millennial customers, over to Live? from Emirates NBD. Have they actually, however, been able to increase their overall customer base? I'll leave that question to Pankul, but let's not forget, because this is attached to an existing bank, so it's a traditional bank, and that bank already has a large existing uh, customer base. So you'll grasp from the market those, you know, Gen Zs, and you will have, uh, you know, from the same existing base people coming on board into that and being served because they want that convenience and they want that flexibility and time factor. What's your view on this then, Pankel? Do we have any evidence to suggest that neobanks attached to traditional banks have done anything other than cannibalize the audience or have they gone out and got more customers? My view is they have definitely got more customers because there was a customer base which was already existing. Then there was a new, I'll say millennial customers, which got attached to the new bank. Some of them purely from experimental basis uh, to experience how the digital bank works. Some of them due to the perks which the bank offered initially, they offered a Fitbit watch to the customers who wanted to be onboarded digitally. Some of them got uh, onboarded because making use of certain discounts what the bank offers uh, on the debit card, what you get out of uh, opening an account for live. Okay, now if you look at the trend for first few years and the last one year, in the last one year, there has been no significant increase in the number of customers on live side. Initially, it was exponential. But the growth has been stagnant because there is nothing so exciting about uh, which is coming out. Coming back to Robin, uh, your statement, it's getting more of a cannibalizing on the existing customers with an already banked, fully banked market. You need to create something really fancy to keep on increasing number of customers on a day-to-day basis. We have talked quite a lot about the UAE marketplace. That is a standout case of a market that is saturated with banks. What does it take for a neobank to be a success? There's two different markets. 
or two different kinds of markets. There's the saturated market in the UAE. What makes neobanks stand out in a saturated market? Tamer to you first. Well, you know, considering uh, the hub of banking, uh, you know, in the world, the Middle East is uh, oftentimes said to be overbanked in general. For instance, you know, uh, has close to, to 50 retail banks that's in the UAE serving 10 million population, which translates uh, to about 200k uh, people per, per bank. And on the other hand, in the US has about 4,700 retail banks serving about 330 million people. So translating to about 70K uh, of, of, of people uh, per, per bank. The gap is evident, and uh, this, is, uh, this simply tells us that there is still room for uh, development. However, incumbents uh, continue to face stiff competition from fintechs, and you cannot not take that into consideration. You know, uh, to fairly tap uh, into the current uh, market, whether it's in the UAE or other countries around uh, in this region, and retain uh, uh, the market share, you know, banks need to go where customers are. You know, in digital, there's room for traditional banks uh, that can offer and uh, innovate uh, products and serve today's uh, customer needs. In a nutshell, there's no risk for traditional banks, you know, cannibalizing uh, their customer base. That is offering uh, uh, the same products with uh, a digital mobile-first approach. In fact, this would help them have, uh, you know, a greater competitive edge where there is need for incumbents to leverage financial technology now more than ever, uh, not to remain uh, subpar uh, banks uh, operating with 1990s process technology or culture or mindset. There's one thing you said there that I'm going to pick on. You, you said banks need to go where the customers are. Arguably, I would also say they need to go where the customers aren't because the one thing that the digital technology does allow is much easier access for purposes of financial inclusion to expand that customer base to people who are currently unbanked. And again, if we look around the Middle East and we look around North Africa, there are a lot of unbanked people there that are potentially reachable with a digital banking solution. That is correct. Uh, and it's, it's uh, you know, it's arguable uh, at the same time. But, you know, going where the people are, as you said, uh, that angle is very important, the unbanked uh, uh, people and the value proposition, how you can hook that market. So, again, uh, we go back to the same question. If, if, if I'm in a country like the UAE, it's different than a country like uh, Iraq. In Iraq, for example, you know, they're, they're skipping years of, of technology and, and, and processes and processes and going from, you know, traditional banking to neobanking. So there's a gap in the middle that they had to uh, over, over jump. Let me just have a final thought from you, Pankal. What is it that is going to make a neobank stand out in the marketplace? What's the, if I can put it this way, killer app? What do they need to get right to succeed? Robin, I would state it on a P-square basis. Uh, it's about purpose and profitability. Okay. Purpose is whether I'm going to address the unbanked population or am I going to launch something unique into the market? So that's, that's the clarity what needs from day one. I have seen a lot of new banks getting closed within one year of launching. And that's the fact because we just for launching for the sake of launching does not work. There should be a clear purpose. What am I going to do with this? And especially in the MENA region, we know there are unbanked market. 
uh, whether it's uh, let's say morocco whether it's uh, let's say egypt uh, where we know there is a population somewhere between 30 to 70% of the population which is still unbanked that's a clarity of thought required as the first thing second thing is plan for profitability so in the long term you will have to definitely look at how are you going to generate the revenue out of it initially you may be burning cash but maybe one year two year three year four year or whatever number of years down the line the the there should be some model around how the cash is going to come out so i would emphasize on these two points one is the purpose second is on the profitability and a final thought from you on this tema it's a really good question especially when you mentioned the killer app robin see customized the ux that's important neo banks are are focusing on single screen uh, transfer to you know to make customer experiences more intuitive and uh, seamless with a no uh, click uh, to a few clicks right mobile journeys in in general you know in a busy world uh, where customers want uh, banking solutions to help them uh, do what they want uh, to do conveniently while while saving time so you know it's not just about launching a mobile application through the power of uh, open ba- open banking neo banks are are leveraging on api integrations to support multiple uh, payment cha- channels such as you know uh, p2p a2a ACH or other common services into these uh, payment uh, systems, such as uh, PayPal, for example. Let's look at uh, uh, gamification, right? So this is already a common uh, feature, not only in uh, neo banking, but across most digital platforms uh, today. The users can move uh, icons uh, and other elements around uh, you know, to customize their own uh, uh, UI-based uh, and, and needs. They could also, you know, automate their receipts and add personalized notes to their receipts for better uh, visualization. Uh, let's look at uh, easy, uh, you know, easy account uh, opening. Gamification could also be extended to account opening. And uh, statistics have shown that, uh, you know, uh, cumbersome onboarding process costs banks uh, more than 60% of their customers. So modern day uh, customers want uh, to simplify and, you know, they want simplicity at uh, the core of every digital uh, offering that those uh, banks are are giving. You know, integrating to third party uh, functionalities, that's key. Enhance security in in that space uh, with biometric technology, for example. And of course, uh, finally, probably something like uh, real time uh, fraud detection. So these things are at the core of, uh, you know, having uh, a new bank, bank successful and how it stands out in a crowded banking market, as, as we mentioned and uh, discussed earlier when we said uh, UAE, uh, for example. So, you know, in a, in a market like the UAE, if you don't have amazing customized UI and, you know, you don't uh, embed the gamification and integrate into third party functionalities, people will see that, you know, they're all the same and, uh, you know, they won't pick up uh, on, 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 on a bigger customer base. Thank you very much, Tamar Almaj, Managing Director, MENA for Codebase Technologies and Panko Verma, Principal Cedar Management Consulting International. <music>